Rajni, what's wrong? Tom, I have a script and I don't know what to do with it. Should I burn it? Feed it to my cat? You need some writer's group therapy. Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. You ready for your session? The doctors are in. So we're so excited today to bring one of our, our two-time guest speaker to the group, Dan O'Shannon. He's here joining us today on the podcast. Welcome, Dan. Hello. Hi, Dan. Hi, Tom. So, Dan, tell us briefly a little bit about your writing history. How well you know, it goes way, way, way back. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I started writing, I actually I guess technically I started writing when I started doing stand-up a long, long time ago because I wrote my own material. And uh, stand-up was a great lab for me because I was into comedy and I wanted to know how it all worked. And it was a great way for me to test ideas every night on a stage and see if I change a joke this way or change a bit that way or say it a little differently, what does the, you know, what's the effect? And, but I always wanted to be a writer. I'm more of a writer than a performer, really. And, um, and uh, so I came out here in 1984. Yikes. And uh, I started working in 85. The first show I did was uh, called It's a Living. It was a syndicated show about these waitresses that worked at the top of the Bonaventure Hotel in a fancy restaurant. And then uh, I worked on a bunch of shows. I did uh, one called Newhart. And then I did uh, Cheers for four years, uh, Frasier for five years, Modern Family for five years, a whole bunch of shows in between, some animation, some sci-fi, and a couple of books. And that's been it. Wow. Now, you're, you are credited for having come up with the ending to Newhart, aren't you? That's the, right. It's me. Where they, where they wake up in the Bob Newhart show. That's right. Yeah. I think that's like the, the coolest thing. That's like a huge, iconic moment in television history. So oh. I think that's fantastic. Thanks yeah. very much. I ripped it off from the end of St. Elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> I did. Because I, I thought that was a great idea. And then I thought, well, we could do it on our show. Only he wakes up in the old show. And then we all kind of flipped for the idea. And, uh, and then we ended up doing it. That's awesome. Cool. So comedy, your whole career has basically been comedy then, right? Sure seems like. And you, you even wrote a book about comedy. Go ahead and plug your book real quick. Oh, yes, yes. It's all about comedy theory. It's called What Are You Laughing At? A guide, to, a comprehensive guide to the comedic event. And uh, the book itself is just as long and sluggish as that title is. And uh, uh, it really comes from, I really started when I was a boy. When I was eight, I decided I was going to be funny. I didn't have the slightest idea how to be funny. I was not born funny. And so I had to kind of figure it out bit by bit by bit by bit. And so all the sort of experimentation I did on stand-up and then when I was writing scripts and then tweaking attitudes for characters and, and delivery and watching the audiences respond to that, I began to develop what I, I found were different uh, uh, kind of observations that uh, I eventually put into this huge book that basically explains to the best of my ability the variables that go into you know, what makes us laugh at, at, at certain kinds of information. So you've gone from being a writer in the room to actually running the writer's room. What kind of things are you looking for when you're hiring people? Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm looking for people who uh, are flexible in that they might have very cool original voices, but I need them to catch whatever voices I have on the show that I'm working on. Um, and I, I think that to do a quick side trip, I think that's that's a big problem with the the, the fact that currently agents and uh, producers, I, particularly agents, want all the young writers to write pilots. 
spec pilots. And writing a spec pilot, writing any pilot, is extremely difficult to do it and pull it off and be successful. And if you're a young writer or you're just starting off, you're new to the business, you really need to learn just the basic ropes of putting a story together and you know telling it in a satisfying way and, and being true to the tone that's established in a show. Um, and in the old days, people did write spec episodes of existing shows. And then all the executive producers would read your stuff and go, well, you really caught that episode of you know Modern Family or whatever. I think that you would do a good job catching my characters. And so I, I need people to capture the, the voices that I have in my show, but also bring to the table a little something unique, something of them. Maybe show a slightly different facet to a character here or there or do a surprising turn of events in a script. Um, but I, I at the... At the level where people are starting off, I just need them to be competent, be willing to learn and, um, and uh, you know, contribute whatever and, and find their voices. I, I'm happy to, as far as the younger writers go, or the newer writers run my room almost like a, like a classroom, but certainly a place where they can experiment and grow. So, I mean, I, I understand it, it runs really fast when you're in the room. So should people who are just starting out try for shows like Modern Family? Or is there a place where they can incubate their talent in a more nurturing environment? Well, I think I think you try everywhere, you know, um, and uh, some shows, it all depends on the showrunner. I mean, you could have some shows are very intimidating, but you have a showrunner who's very good and nurturing and, and helps you get along or you have the right personality for that room. Then there are shows where you think, oh, I'm at this simple little show, it should be very easy. And then it turns out to be a big political wasp's nest and, uh, and the showrunner is not very understanding at all. And it's a nightmare. So it always comes down to who the showrunner is, uh, the head writer, essentially, and, and how they treat you in the room and what kind of atmosphere they provide. But I think you try Try for every show, you know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what kind of showrunner are you? Oh, I I like to think I'm wonderful, but you'd have to ask people who have worked <laughs> with me because I think many of them would say that I was good, and then there might be a couple that was like, "Oh, he wasn't very good at all." Um, I, I suspect I, those would be people I've fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, since you kind of came at this without, you know, you, you just got. It sounds like you time. I can't speak. Um, since it sounds like you just kind of like <laughs> fell into this in a way, right? You went through the stand-up world and then ended up, you know, it's not like you went to school and went in a classroom and they said, this is how to be a comedy writer. What was the biggest lesson that you learned along the way to become a better writer and a better producer and everything? Uh, well, there are a few things. I mean, uh, I learned uh, that knowing how to write is only a part of what you need to have a real career. Okay. There are a lot of very, very talented people out there that will never have careers. Uh, part of it is because they're lacking these other things. You need uh, a certain amount of ambition. You need to be the person that works three jobs a week and writes on the weekends. You need to say yes to yourself when a thousand other people have said no, uh, that, that sort of thing. You have to push yourself and you have to get out there. You also need a certain amount of political savvy. It is a very collaborative process and you have to play well with others. You have to know when to fight for things in the room and especially when not to fight for things in a room. When you have a meeting with someone, you have to Google them first and know who they are so you have something to talk about. Uh, There's a lot of uh, networking that has to happen when you're starting out, especially nowadays, as we old people say. Um, and then, then there's a certain amount of luck that comes into play because you can have all those other things and still bomb out. You just don't know when it's going to hit. So you have to be as prepared as you can be. And that's one thing I learned over the years. I, I also learned that when you're starting out, uh, your job is not to make the best TV you can. 
And don't fool yourself into thinking that's your job. Your job is to make your executive producer happy. And there will be times your executive producer wants you to write something and you think, well, that's a terrible idea. And you may discuss it and try to change it, but your executive producer may say, no, no, you're going to do it this way. Your job is to make that person happy. Okay, because you want a smooth running show, you don't want to gum up the works, and you want that person to put in a good word for you on some other show where you might be able to do the best TV you can. Okay, so that, that's that's a thing to keep in mind too. And there's also just technical writing things if you want on a few things I've learned along the way. Okay, um, have you ever uh, judged any of the uh, network fellowships or contests in writing? And if you have, what's your like biggest pet peeve of new writers that you see mistakes they make a lot? That's a very good question, isn't it? Um, I, I have never judged one of those things, um, but people do send me things a lot. And what I tend to, you know, people run the gamut between uh, uh, trying to be so original that they choose to break every rule they can think of without actually having any kind of coherent structure or thought or theme or tone in place. And so they're just writing uh, ar- uh, anarchically. Is that right? That can't be right. Yeah. An- anarchistic and anarchic no that's that's those are continents but anyway um and they they try to to write all the crazy stuff and they have no sense of of rules or structure and then there are the people who simply write watered down versions of things they've seen before and they don't put any real thought into it there uh, i think the new writers tend to write from the outside a lot that is to say uh, that they write things they've seen before on television. They write things they've seen before in movies. They try to replicate those moments. And I get that. But it's also nice if the writer can add just some actual feel or thought to their characters that make it seem like the characters are thinking of the things they're doing and they're not doing things just for the convenience of the writer or the story. I, I find sometimes characters will do things that I look at it and go, well, they're supposed to do this because this is a sitcom and that's what they're supposed to do. But it doesn't seem like the characters themselves want to do these things. you know. And so I'll ask the writer, why does the character do this whole scene here? And they'll say, well, because it's funny. And that's the wrong answer for a narrative. You know? um, there, there needs to be a reason because the characters don't wake up every day trying to make America laugh. They don't know America's watching them. So they don't do things just to be funny. So I, I kind of want to, I want the writers to just get used to being inside the characters. And understanding that the character is a different person than they, the writer, are, if that makes any sense. Which did you prefer writing, a single cam or multicam? Uh, I like them both for different reasons. Uh, I like the multicam because you do it in front of an audience and you actually hear the audience. You, you feel what they're going through when they laugh at your stuff. And you, you can actually, not even just the laughter. You know, uh, when I first came out here, I was addicted to making the studio audience laugh. And then I became, as time went on, addicted to making them feel everything I felt like I wanted them to feel. I mean, all writing is manipulation. Your job is to make millions of people care about things that actually aren't happening. And so you, once you realize, oh, I can make them feel sad, I can make them feel anxious, I can really get them invested in a result, and I can just, just sort of get in and play with their feelings a little bit, then I feel like in a way I'm not moving the characters like a puppeteer. I'm actually moving the audience like a puppeteer with these, with these characters. And that's a very heady feeling, and it's very fun. Um, you can do the same thing on a single cam, which has no studio audience. You just don't get to feel the audience going through it right there in the room. However, multicam allows you to be more flexible in your writing. Not all your jokes have to be strong enough to make a room full of people laugh. You can do more subtle humor, and you've got a wider scope of the kind of comedy you can do. I'm so curious, something you said a little bit ago. Do you have any examples of something that you fought for in the room, and it could have like put things in jeopardy for you, but yet when you got it, it was worth it? 
Oh, um, there was a time. I think there are probably a couple of these because I, I did get to fight a little bit, and sometimes I won things. But uh, there was a there was a time once I was writing Frasier, and I had an idea for this one scene that you know, it was a little bit out there and, but it was different than what we'd done before. And the scene had no dialogue. And it was an odd little thing. It, it wasn't the sort of famous, uh, uh, scene with no dialogue from the Valentine's episode. It was a whole different thing, but, uh, it was one of those things where I actually got in an argument with the room. And since I was running it, I got to say, I'm doing this, but I did listen to the people giving me all the, the stuff that, that all the reasons it wouldn't work. And I got very lucky because it did work. There are also times I've fought for things that they didn't work, but I think the the victory in any of that is the opportunity to experiment. And I think if you are a, a writer or a room full of writers and you have a TV series at your fingertips and you've got great actors like the cast of Frasier or Cheers or whatever, and you don't experiment as a writer, why are you even in this business? You're just rewriting things you've seen before week after week after week after week. You know, and, and by the way, that is a that is one of the problems with network television is that you have a group of people uh, giving notes who learned one story structure, and they apply those notes to every episode of every series, and it becomes very, very boring and unrewarding to write. And if you have a series, you want to get out there and experiment because the, the audience will go on the journey with you if they trust you. So any final thoughts, any advice you'd give to up-and-coming writers or people who've been slogging it out for years and haven't gotten their big break? What would you tell them? Uh, I would say um, that you know when I when I was coming up uh, as a writer, I didn't know that there was money in television at all. I did it for love of learning the craft and being able to communicate, and probably for some other reasons that have to do with eco and and that sort of thing. But it was never about money and the business. And then as the internet came along and everyone started to learn about how TV works, and there's all this behind the scenes things. I think I think a lot of people come out here thinking I'm going to be a rich TV writer and I'm going to get a big house and a great car and this and that and this and that. And I think people have to go back to what it was before because there will be less and less money in TV. Do it because you love it. If you want to get rich, do something else. But if you want to be a writer, then then that's great. You know. But I'd be very be very know yourself. Know why you want to do these things because uh, that'll be the difference between whether or not you're happy or unhappy doing it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. Well, thank you. And how about for you guys? What are your thoughts on this interview? Tweet it at us at WG Therapy. And if you like what you hear, check us out online at writersgrouptherapy.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. We'll see you next week. Bye.